0: Like I was saying, no thanks for the youth because you know it is. It's well, I it's, it's, it's all kind of about. Um, I want these guys to be active, right? That's kind of what I'm looking for in my own youth group right now. I want to think, well, how can we actively pursue God together, right? Because it's not just about you know being. Um, complacent. It's not just about just kind of you know sitting down and kind of just okay, I'm a Christian now. All right, well just need to survive the next seventy, eighty, ninety years, and now I, then I can then I'll be in heaven and everything will be all right. It's it's, it's not about that, you know. I've, I found uh, I'm going to say it from the outset. Uh, what I'm kind of deeming as the four pillars of you know Christianity in a sense, which is Bible reading is essential. Okay, prayer is essential. Um, fellowship, as we all know, is essential. You know, people who walk out of fellowship eventually fall down. Yes. Fellowship is essential. And just as much as those three, works or, what I, or sharing the gospel or, or being involved yes. is, is important. Because you find the more people don't do that. I, I find so uh, lots of people saying, I'm getting bored of, of being a Christian. I'm like, well, you're not doing anything. <laughs> so, so, so of course you're bored, you know. And, and I find if, if that slips anyway, the other three t- t- tend to start slipping as well. So I find all four of them are essential. And that's kind of what we're looking at today. We're looking at the, the book of Philippians, okay? and uh, Or the letter to the Philippians, sorry. okay, And... Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a short letter, it's only four chapters, um, there are short letters, but you know, it's, it's still a short letter, and, um, but instead of diving right into the letter itself with you today, I want to look around the circumstances of this letter with you, and literally we're going to look at specifically Paul's journey to this, to this place, okay? and, and, and his time, and his, and his stay there, okay? so we can see what it is really to, to work for God, okay? So, um, so let's start off. I've got a, I've put it in my, my, my pocket. Yes, <laughs> sorry, very unprofessional. I know. There we go. It's cool. Got it. There we go. Cool. So, I'm going to set the scene, okay? So, the, the year is roughly, so let's go back, go back in time with me. The year is 60 AD, roughly around there, okay? 60 AD, okay? And the Apostle Paul at this time, he's sitting in a room and he's chained to a Roman guard, as you can kind of see, he's chained to a Roman guard, okay? And, and he's bound to this guard 24 hours a day, okay? 24 hours a day. And uh, with shifts and all of that, with different gods. Okay? This, Paul at the moment is a prisoner in Rome. Okay? And he's confined there for his faith in Jesus Christ, who has literally at this point, it's it's a bit of a weird thought, he died only 30 years ago at this point. He's only dead, been dead 30 years. Well, not dead. He's not dead. He's alive. Sorry. He died and he rose 30 years ago. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Amen. (laughs) Okay? But but, but since then, since then, the the small band of his disciples of Jesus' disciples has greatly multiplied over these thirty years, and they are continuing to do so. And uh, but they've been met with fierce opposition at this point. First from Jewish religious leaders, who um, who pretty much uh, attempting to wipe out what they believed was a new cult. Okay, at this time that had emerged out of Judaism, and 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 not just uh, persecution from those guys, but also now from the non-believing Greeks. Okay? And, and the Italians who were trying to figure out well, what do we do with this new religion that, that's coming out of the ground. You know? And so they provided their own persecution against the followers of Jesus. Okay? Now, Paul remembers very well that he himself had once been among those persecuting the church. He didn't forget it. He said it in a few of his letters as well. You know, he, he was a young Jewish man before Christ. Okay? He was a young Jewish man. And he had a passion and zeal to keep the Jewish faith free from corruption. Okay? And, and especially from this new cult that was declaring what he believed was a false messiah. He was like, no, I'm not having that. You know, And so he went around, you know, very zealous, imprisoning, seeking to put to death any who followed what was then called the way. We weren't called Christians, then. it was followers of the way. Okay? And, um, and it was on a journey to the city of Damascus in order to capture more of these so-called cultists that he had a personal encounter with the risen Jesus himself who he was persecuting. Okay? And this encounter with Jesus changed his life entire course of his life, okay? He was originally travelling there to imprison those who confessed Jesus as the Messiah, but he arrived only to join their ranks and profess Jesus as Lord with them, okay? How amazing, what a turnaround, okay? And God had blinded him on the road, as well as the sign, and as his eyes were opened in Damascus, the eyes of his heart were opened too, and he saw Jesus all over the scriptures, you know, that he had previously read through hundreds of times and never seen, you know, he'd seen him clearly now. Yeah, there he is. There he is in my in my Bible. Why why, why didn't I see him before? You know, it was clear to him, and uh, and he and so and he declared Jesus as Messiah so prominently in this city, with the backing of these scriptures that he you know uh, that, that he'd used against them at first, and now using for them. You know, um, yet the, both the Jews and Christians were just awe. They were just taken aback. You know, the Christians were like, well, you know. What happened? This this is amazing! Praise God! And uh, and the Jews and now, What is wrong with you, Paul? You know what are you doing? This, uh, we can't argue with you because it sounds like you're right. But what are you doing? So they try to put him to death, right? Um, so so they're out for his blood now, okay. And, now, and and then, just to wrap things up, since this first encounter of his, he, he joined the church as one of its leaders, alongside uh, the original twelve apostles, becoming its thirteenth. And from there, he became literally one of the main missionaries that spread the good news of the risen Jesus all over the Mediterranean. Okay, that includes Israel, that's Greece, that's Rome, which he is now in, a prisoner for his changed life and love of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Okay. And it is in here, and it's here in Rome, which is commonly believed, that Paul penned what is known as the prison letters.? Okay? Uh, these letters are four separate letters to three different churches, two of them were sent to the same church, four different letters in our Bibles, with these titles, which you should know, or you should know Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. OK. Philippians. Now, the city of Philippi was one of the most dear to Paul. It says it all over his lap. Okay, it's very dear to his heart. Okay, And it was only his journey to there and during his stay there that he made many key friends who would be his closest companions and even main financial support for, for his missions. And, um, and he had now heard that these, these people that he loved you know, and visited a couple of times. That they that they're now facing the persecution that, that's been growing uh, towards the church. You know, and um, and they're, they're called Christians at this point now, and 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 they're facing all this persecution. And so he wants to encourage them as someone who is suffering himself at that time. You know, waiting for his exe- well, waiting to hear whether he gets to stay alive or whether he gets to be executed. So he knows what suffering is, and he wants to he wants to write to them. Okay, cool. So so. As Paul's writing this or, or saying this, so let's think back with Paul because if you're writing about someone, you, your mind can only go back to your memories of them, right? And so, so Paul's memories are probably going back and so let's go back with him. So let's think back with Paul. So, so he's, he's writing this letter and he's thinking 10, 15 years ago before his imprisonment. Let's go there. So we're going 10 or 15 years before he's imprisoned in Rome, okay? Now at this point, Paul has just returned from his first mission trip. Okay, with his friend Barnabas. Oh, sorry, that's Paul writing letter. That's the first one. If you can make that out, okay. He's just come back from his first mission trip. Okay, they've been to Cyprus, and they've been to the region of Galatia. Galatia's a region, by the way, like like kind of Essex or whatever. You know, there are towns and cities in Galatia. It's not a town or city itself. And um, so, so he's he, he's ministered around there. He started churches around there, not buildings, but groups of followers of Jesus. And and he start, he started churches in the towns and cities there. And um, and they'd seen many miracles at this point, as well as experiencing some heavy persecution from the Jews as well at this point. Um, Paul himself was still recovering, coming back from being stoned within an inch of his life. He was stoned so badly, the Jews literally presumed he was dead and left him. Some even believed that he did die and Jesus rose him back again. You know, so, um, but but he, he, he was recovering from that. Okay? And he, he's now back in his home church right, after the trip in, in Antioch, which is a city north, quite north of Jerusalem. And uh, after a, a time of heated debate in Jerusalem and in Antioch about whether Gentiles should practice Jewish circumcision or not, which is a key theme which keeps coming back up, which Paul also won defending the Gentiles and God's word, um, he, he, after this debate, he wanted to go back to Galatia. Right? He wanted to go back to Galatia where, where he had previously visited in order to see how the church is doing. You know, I started these churches, I want to see how they're doing and I want to encourage them even further. So, so, so he has a chat with his friend Barnabas and uh, about it, and, um, and and he's like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. But they have this sharp disagreement, ba- basically, about who to take with them, and so they they split up. So Barnabas goes to Cyprus with with Mark, who had previously abandoned them, and um, and Paul decided to walk with uh, to Galatia, um, which is a long walk, uh, with Silas, who was another key person in the chime. Okay, and I'm just going to quickly say this actually. I I did put it in my footnotes, but I'm just going to really quickly say this. I, I just want to say we often think of these early saints as perfect in a lot of ways. You know, we get this kind of perception, oh yeah, Paul and Peter and whoever, right? And, and, and really they're not perfect. You know, these guys are not perfect. God didn't make them sinless just like he doesn't make us sinless. You know, um, like you just saw here, you know, Paul and Barnabas fell out. They had sharp disagreement. That doesn't advocate that we're allowed sharp disagreements with each other. That just shows Paul is still learning. You know, And he will continue to learn. And, and you can see it throughout the Bible that he continues to learn and make changes to, to the way he does things. You know, so, so I just want to encourage you guys as well that you are in a process. You are not going to get it all right now. Okay? You're not going to get perfect. That's heaven. Okay? You will always continue to learn. Don't worry. Just repent to God. Re- resolve whatever the situation is and move on. God, Paul says it in his own letter. Just move forward. know. Yeah? Bless you. All right. So anyway, picking back up. So so, uh, Paul and Silas decide to walk all the way to Galatia. There's another part of the map. I don't know if you can see it, but far left, right is Antioch. And they go up into this green area. That's Galatia, that little green area there okay, and, um, and so, so they walk there, they're saying hi to the churches and that, and, and in the city of, of, of Lystra, or Lystra, however you pronounce it, they, they, they met a young man who we will all know as Timothy, okay, this is where he met Timothy, this is the point he met Timothy, and this, Timothy is probably Paul's Closest companion, you know, he frequently refers to him as a son, you know, as his adopted son, and all of this. Okay, so he's very close to Timothy, and he, he loves Timothy very dearly. Um, but to be fair, uh, we will talk about Timothy another Sunday. So I'm just saying that's where he met him. Okay, so from here, from Lystra, um, Paul and Silas, and now Timothy also um, decide they don't want to go back home. As in, they don't want to go back to Antioch. They don't want to go back where they just came. They, they want to spread the gospel even further. They want to do more of God's work. Okay, So this is where it gets interesting. Okay, Because you would probably think it, it wouldn't really matter where you preached as long as you preach. right? As long as you spread the word. But it seems that it does matter at this point. Because the first thought is, well, you know what, guys, let's go to Asia. Now, by the way, Asia is not the continent Asia as we know it today. It is another region. It is this big region, as you can see, Asia, which is, yeah, there. Okay, and um, yeah, and, and, and that's where Ephesus is, and so it's a good place to preach and stuff and bring the gospel, in, and later he does go there. But, but for now, they say, okay, let's go there, and, and this is what the Bible says. It says it says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They were forbidden. you 're not allowed to go to Asia. oh, okay and so, so okay, okay, fine, okay, well, that plan's shut down, okay, so um, we can't travel south because that'll take us back to where we were. can't travel east either let's travel north. so they travel north, they travel north and they come up to another area called uh, Bithynia, okay, which is the if you can read it, the big area at the top, the yellow area at the top. Okay, and, and then again, this is a great place to speak the gospel. There you had the Silk Roads leading to the Orient, like China and all of that. And uh, and it was a hot spot for trade as well. And, and it was just a great place to spread the gospel to different cultures. You, you didn't have to think twice. It's like, okay, let's press into Bithynia. And the Bible says again this. It says the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Not allowed Asia. You're not allowed Bithynia. Don't want you there. Oh, Okay. Sometimes I think we know where we think is best, but God always seems to know better, because this is, this is what happens next. Okay, so, so they still want to spread the gospel. They can't go to Asia. They can't go to Bithynia. They've just been to Galatia. There's nowhere else to go. So they go over Asia. And they're like, okay, we'll just press on west. So they press on all the way west. There you go. Above Asia, because they're not allowed to enter it. And uh, they come to this little... This little, uh, well, little. It's, it's a city. It's a port city called Troas. And here... Two amazing things happened. Two amazing things happened. The first was an e- the first not that one, so I have the first. first. The first, some thirsty. The first was an encounter. OK They met a man who, in our modern time, in the Bible, is probably more famous than Paul is himself.? Okay? And he is this way because a whole book is named after him. He is the guy called Luke. This is where they met Luke, OK. Now Luke, he was a he was a thoroughly educated man. He's a doctor. He's a writer. A master in the Greek language, and uh, he's dubbed by some of our modern historians as possibly one of the greatest historians in his own time. You know, he's the writer of both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and this means he was uh, a man of the spirit, really, because these two books are Scripture. Right? these two books are Scripture. You know, we read these books. Today, you know, they, they tell us they tell us about Jesus. They encourage us in our faith, you know, and and our walk in Christ. And, and Luke wrote them. And if they hadn't got to Troas, they might not have met him. You know. And here's the thing: Paul must have shared the gospel with him because you know he's he's sharing the gospel wherever he goes. So so Luke Luke at this point probably heard the gospel for the first time, more than likely. And so he repents and he enters into his relationship with Jesus and he becomes another one of Paul's closest companions. Okay, so that's the first amazing thing. They have an encounter with Luke, who wrote a big portion of the, uh, well, a good part of the uh, New Testament. Okay, the second thing is that in Troas, Paul had a vision. okay. And in his vision, this Greek man stood right before him, right? And he was begging him, saying, come to Macedonia. Come to Macedonia and help us. Okay, Macedonia was a big part of Greece then, okay? It wasn't just the separate little republic they have now, okay? And so, and so he, he, he talked and prayed about the vision with his three friends, and, and they decided God was calling him indeed to Macedonia. So that's where they went. So, so the four missionaries, now, now knowing where God is leading them, okay, not Asia, not Bithynia, Macedonia. Never would have thought of it. Never would have thought of it. Okay, so God God does lead us places what we don't think of, okay? So never would have thought of it. So, so, they, so they set sail to Macedonia. And they arrive at a port called Neapolis, which is, there you go. So they go, go from troas as you can see, they go all the way up to Neapolis. And this is Neapolis today. It's not called Neapolis anymore, it's called Kavala. Uh, it's very populated still. And uh, so, so they go there, they go to, to, to uh, yeah, to Neapolis. And from there, they, talk about, they take about a 10-mile walk up, up this, this hill to what is the Roman colony of Philippi. So this is where they enter Philippi. Okay? And here you go, this is Philippi now, it is in ruin. Now there's a little town like, to the side of it, but other than that, this is, this is Philippi, where it stands today. And that's a little map of Philippi. Right, and um, so, so they get to Philippi, right? Well, Philippi, however you decide to pronounce it. Right, so Philippi was, was, at this time, it was, in our culture today, it's a place of history, but even then it was a place of history. It had a culture and history then as well, okay? It was originally called Crenidus, which I think it's kind of re-adopted. And um, before it was overthrown by uh, Philip II of Macedonia. If you don't know who that is, that's the father of Alexander the Great. Okay, and uh, it, he he overthrew that place in his conquest of Greece, and he named it after himself because he's such a humble guy, and um, so 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 that's why it's called Philippi, and that was there. But it wasn't just that. But about a, f- a few years earlier, the famous Battle of Philippi was fought. Okay, which was a mass civil war to decide the fate of Rome. So this is an important place. Okay, it was rebuilt after that civil war, and and it's now it was it was then. You know now because we, we're there now, right? It's, uh, it's a Roman colony at this point, okay? And this means it was it was governed by Roman law. It was like a mini Rome. You didn't have to pay taxes. You know, everyone born there was a citizen of Rome immediately. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, and and it was a place where retired soldiers would come to live, which is which is nice. Okay, and uh, and some of them even got to rule as well, and and it was quite a wealthy place because it was mo- lit it was located near gold mines, and, and you know had some nice temples and other stuff going on, and uh, and it was situated on the Via Inertia or the Inertian Way, which is basically for those who don't know, it's a massive Roman road which travels all the way back to Rome by ferry, and um, and it stretches all the way out to Byzantine which is where the Silk Roads began. Okay, and and, and this this is the point basically, right? It's not catching up. Basically. Philippi was rich in history, it's rich in wealth, and it's rich in trade and travellers. So this is a good place, in a sense, to, to preach. Okay? And it was now where God decided to start waging a new war. This is going to be the conquest of the gospel, in a sense, in the land of Europe. Okay? where Some people might say, well, where did the gospel come, for, uh, come from in our continent? It came from there, Philippi. That's where God entered it, through Paul. Okay? So that's where kind of our faith came to us eventually. Starts with Philippi. Okay? So, they're in Philippi. Okay? And, uh, oh, sorry, too soon. And um, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and Luke uh, now, they, they enter this amazing city and, and they stay there for a fair amount of time. Okay? First Sabbath day comes. Uh, which is a day dedicated in Jewish cults to honouring God, and uh, and Paul looks around for a synagogue. so That's his first thought always. His his first aim in every place he preached was always to preach the Jews first, because they were his people. Always preach there, and when they when they eventually threw him out, then he would preach to the Gentiles. That was his style. Okay, that was his style. But but here's the thing: they're far from home, and this is this is a military. This is a Roman military area. Okay, and. They're kind of—it's—it's it's not really—it's—it's it's more of a non-Jewish area, and, and there're really, temples dedicated to the worship of Greek gods and Roman emperors, but there's nothing for Jews. And he figures that out. He's like, okay, well, there's nothing here, but he knows his people, and he knows people will always meet by the Jewish people. Don't ask me why. They always meet by the rivers. So he went down to the nearest river, and funnily enough, he finds a group of Jews. Brilliant. Okay, so 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 he goes there. So he goes to this river, and. Um, and, and he finds that there are no Jewish men, or at least the Bible doesn't mention there are. But it's prominently Jewish women or, or converts to, to Judaism who are women. And, and he's just starting to realize, actually, you know, I'm quite far from home then. Not only are there no synagogue, but there doesn't seem to be a, a, like any Jewish males here. I mean, this is, this is a good thing in a sense because he didn't get heavily persecuted here by Jews. So he had a lot of time to, to stay here without, without receiving any, any flack. Okay, but but it, it kind of shows just kind of how far away that he really was from home. But anyway, but he has no problem with that because he starts telling them about the good news of Jesus straight away. Okay, so he sits with these women, he talks about them, about Jesus and all that. And this one woman who is a convert to, to Judaism. Uh, she had her heart opened by Jesus, and she gave her life to him, and she was baptized as well as her whole household. This is the river they might have been at, by the way. There you go. So, I do my research. And uh, there's an old picture of meeting the women. Okay, and, 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 and this woman, um, this woman's called Lydia. Okay? Uh, she'll, she's another key person in Paul's, in Paul's journey. And uh, she was a seller of purple. Now That might sound a big deal but, or, or anything to you, but it's actually quite a big thing back then. Purple was the colour of royalty at the time. And uh, it was a prized commodity. And any trade in it was basically a lucrative business. So this person's rich, pretty much okay? And, and she, and after being saved by him, she begs Paul to house him. That's nice. <laughs> Please, I want to house you. Okay, brilliant. Beats sleeping on the floor outside. So, so, um, so yeah, so, so she begs him to house him and, he, and his friends during their stay there. And she becomes another key, uh, like I said, like ally of Paul's and probably one of his main financial contributors in spreading the gospel, okay? Um, now... One day, so, so things seem to be going well. Okay, this is going well, and you know, there's other stuff going on. There's, there's always a lot that happens that the Bible doesn't mention, so just so you know. So, so they stay in this town for a while. And one day, so this is where the trouble begins. One day, as these men travel down the, to the place of prayer by this river, they encounter a slave girl. Okay, they encounter a slave girl. So. And Luke tells this in Acts. That she had a python spirit that enabled her to tell fortunes. We have many different religions in our society today, okay, some that kind of seem quite opposing a lot of the time as well. Okay. And um, and you say you know, ancient Greece was no different to, to, to now. They had their own religions too. You know, their own prominent religions that were also fiercely against Christianity too, okay? And one of the main gods worshipped back then was a god called Apollo. Okay, apparently, just quickly, he'd killed this giant serpent called Python who was a guardian in the earth. This is what they believed. And it was uh, through the rotting body of this serpent, Apollo was able to possess a chosen woman in order to prophesy through her. And, uh, and you need to know, back then, religion wasn't concerned with moral behaviour. Okay, they didn't care about moral behaviour. And they didn't care much about life after death either. It was all about good or bad omens and what the future holds. That was all religion was to them. Okay. And so 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 being possessed or believed to be possessed by this famous god and and, 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 and being able to predict the future and give good or bad omens, um, you know, the masters of this poor little girl were making a lot of money. Making a lot of money off of her. Okay? Hundreds of people would have paid to have them tell their future. And these prophecies were, were not just nice, oh, this is what's going to happen sort of thing, but they're, accomplished, they're accompanied rather by epileptic fits and strange chants. And, 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 and it, it, would, it would just be if we were to watch it, it'd probably be quite horrific. Okay? As I'm probably sure it was quite disturbing for Paul and that, because he was quite disturbed by it. Okay? And, but, but for the Romans and that, they would just believe her to be sacred and blessed. Okay? But, 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 but this is quite disturbing stuff. And so, so they passed her a pastor, and she seemed to lock on to Paul. She just seemed to lock on to him. Okay? And she followed him. And she's probably heard them talking before. You know, he talks quite openly, Paul. But, but she, she, she cries out in this loud voice. She goes, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. They probably think that's a good thing. But uh, Paul was actually disturbed. This wasn't a good thing. And, um, and Paul was really unsettled. He just felt and sailed. and she did this every day for quite a while for at least two weeks something like that until Paul finally had enough of it he had enough of this thing okay not enough of the girl but enough of whatever is in this girl okay because here's the thing you probably you probably feel a level of empathy for this girl she is being used by her masters and she is you know she's possessed by a demon okay there is no god there there are no gods but our god Amen. And and this 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 thing's possessing and causing a problem, and, and it's causing a problem to Paul as well, and, so, and he's probably irritated as well. And so he finally just turns around and he tells the spirit, he just goes, leave her, and it goes, Amen. no question, no question, just leaves, leaves her in a normal state. You know, God had just shown that He was greater than the most respected God of their time. You know, our God is greater. Our God is the only God. He is the greatest. Okay, I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not ashamed. He was greater than any religion this world has or ever will have to offer. He is greater alone. Okay, but here's the thing: now, doing the right thing seems to have negative consequences. Okay, a lot of the time. So, um, so, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know what became of this girl. Scripture doesn't say she was delivered of this demon. And my hope is she sought the power behind that and found Jesus in the end, who saved her. Right? But Paul was in big trouble big trouble okay this girl being quite probably quite famous can no longer prophesy okay that means no more money for the masters yeah. and uh, Gentiles are quite hurt in their pockets rather than uh, their belief systems and so uh, so you know their income had vanished and so uh, they literally seized Paul and Silas they were like not having this you know we've lost all our money now okay so they grab them, they throw them in front of the magistrates, in front of the courts, and they create this riot in the process. And the rulers just, they don't question it. Like, yeah, these Jews are probably causing a problem. Have them beat over and over and over and over again. And don't forget, Paul is still recovering from being stoned to death earlier. So, so this is pure agony, you know. And, and, then, and then after the beatings, they just chuck him in jail, and then they lock their feet in stocks. It's okay, so not even a comfortable sit-down in jail either. So There's nothing nice about this. Okay? And so, 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 so that's, that's the point we're at. There's the slave girl. Um, so, 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 so they're in jail. They're locked in jail. They're in a lot of pain. It's about midnight. And uh, what are they doing at this point? Are they moaning? No. Are they telling God, Oh, man, my life, it's, life is so unfair right now. Uh, are, they, are they asking God, well, why, what, <laughs> why did you think coming to Philippi was a good idea? Look where we are. No, they weren't doing any of that. They were praying and singing praises to God. That's what they were doing. Isn't that amazing? In everything that just happened, they didn't doubt God for a second. They were at peace. They were enjoying singing to their God. And now the prophet prisoners are probably thinking, these guys are mad. What is wrong with them? I don't get it. Right? So, you know, so it's during this time of worship that something amazing happens, as always. Uh, this miraculous earthquake it just happens, right? And and the prison is shaken, and, and all the doors. And this this is quite a specific earthquake. It's quite a clever earthquake because it seems that all the doors burst open, and all the every, all the stocks and all the all the chains break open. It's a very very clever earthquake. <laughs> Praise God. And um, <laughs> so, so so it leaves every prisoner free to escape. Okay. And the, uh, the so, and the Roman jailer wakes up. Right? And he sees the devastation, because I, I, like, I like the humour in that, that he's asleep on the job. It's like, yeah, they're locked away, it's all fine. But anyway, he wakes up, and, and he sees the devastation, and, and he thinks, they're all gone, they're all gone. And suicide for Romans back then was more honourable than failing your job. That was their belief. So he drew his sword ready to kill himself. Okay? And Paul called out. He said, hey, no, no, no don't do that, it's okay, we're here. That's amazing. I'll tell you why that's amazing. First reason it's amazing, none of the prisoners ran off. <laughs> they're criminals. It's, not, it's, just, it's only Paul and Silas who are in there for preaching Christ. Everyone else are criminals. Why are they still there? You know? Well, my, my thoughts, the Bible again doesn't say, my thoughts are they're so surprised at Paul and Silas, they probably wanted to stick around and find out, one, what's going on, and, uh, and two, why have they, what in their life gives them such joy and peace? The second amazing thing is, and it's maybe not that amazing, but, but you need to see the mindset, right? Paul could have let the guy die. He could have been like, Well, I've been forced in prison. This guy's joined in on the beatings on me or whatever. Stuff him. You know, it's not, it's not my fault if he kills himself. I guess it wouldn't be. But he doesn't. No. He shouts out. says, No, don't do that. You know, that's amazing thing about Christians. We, we, we no longer seek revenge for our. For our misfortunes okay well, that's the way it should be and the Paul models brilliantly every single time and um so so this is again probably another shock to the criminals they're like what <laughs> this guy's insane okay and, and and this ended in the jailer seeing the mercy the peace and joy in Paul and Silas fell on his knees and asked what can I do to be saved I want I want what you've got what can I do and he took them to his house, probably after locking back up the other prisoners. <laughs> probably wise. And, uh, and uh, it, 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 they will probably change from this experience too. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. And just because it doesn't say, doesn't mean nothing happened. And anyway, so, so they, they, anyway he takes them back to his house, and, and his whole household gets to hear about Jesus. And they all believed and they were all baptized and they took care of Paul and Silas and dressed their wounds and gave them some food. And, Sorry about that. It's alright, you know. Um <laughs> so, yeah. So so, so so that's where we're at, okay? Come the morning. Morning, morning breaks out, and the leaders who had them beat before, they send for Paul and Silas so they can be kind of just quietly shoo-shooed out, you know, get lost now. You know, you've had your beatings, go away. But uh, then Paul tells them something they don't quite expect. He goes, I'm a Roman citizen. This is bad news for these guys. okay? Because even though Paul was a Jew, which they saw, and they probably that's why they thought they could do what they wanted, he was born in a Roman colony himself. And anyone born in a Roman colony immediately gained Roman citizen, citizen status. Okay, It means he didn't have to pay taxes, and he was always allowed a fair trial in only Roman court. But what just happened... He didn't get any trial whatsoever. So, uh, because he wasn't given a fair trial, you know they were just beaten without chance to defend themselves. This is this is bad because here's the thing: Paul has the right to complain to Rome, and if he complains to Rome, the people in Philippi are in big trouble, big trouble. Okay. So, as you can imagine, they quickly come around and say, oh, we're so sorry, we're so sorry, you're okay. Oh, uh, can you please go out of the city anyway? Because these guys still want to kill you and we don't want to do you any more harm. We don't want to get any more trouble. So, yeah, can you just, you know, go, but we're so, 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 so sorry. You know, so, so they're, they're apologizing, their right and centre. are. Uh, and uh, Paul, again, shows God's mercy in his life. He, he had every right to report these guys for, in, for in unfairness and all of that, uh, go to the higher authorities, but he didn't. He, just, he said, okay, that's fine, I accept the apology and all of that, thank you. And so <laughs> he doesn't go straight away, he goes back to Lydia's house first, probably explains what's going on, okay, this has happened, blah, blah, blah. And uh, after probably some encouragement and some prayers, they set off again, this time heading to the important city Thessalonica, which is now the second biggest city in Greece. Sorry, okay, so that's, that's, that's Philippi. Okay, that's the journey to. That's the stay there. Okay, so let's let's go back. So let's go back to this this prison room that Paul's in. Um, Okay, who's writing this letter to his friends, okay? Fond me, remember him. Okay. So so what I wanna do now is I want you just to imagine with me. So you're in this room, Paul is there, the 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 guard is there, probably waiting for his shift to end, and um the uh, and, and, and someone's writing down this letter for Paul. And um and what I want us to do is just we're just gonna peer over the, the writer's shoulder and we're just gonna read the first line at the top of the letter, okay? Oh, there are more pictures. And this is what it says. If you do that, if you look over his shoulder, this is what you'll see written. To the Philippians, from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Mm. Slaves. This title meant a lot to Paul. meant a lot to Paul. Now, the word slave in our time, it has a very negative vibe in our culture, uh, due to a lot of our history. But, but back then, it wasn't. It wasn't really a negative thing. You see, a man or a woman could choose to be a slave if they wanted to. Um, it, you know, just as you choose to be a nanny or a butler or a maid, it was a job in the household of another person. Okay, uh, usually wealthier. And um, slaves were uh, often looked after. They could have family and properties under the allowance of their master. Um, it was it was a lot. of Slaves was held as honourable, voluntary positions. Uh, it was also it was also cruel and involuntary in, in, in circumstances as well, just as just as all things can be. But but it was it was it was a position you could you could choose to do that. Strong, uh, Strong's Greek dictionary defines the word slave this way. Okay, us to look at this: a servant or an attendant, one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by their master in extending and advancing his cause among men. I like this one, devoted to another at the disregard of one's own interests. Paul had given up his service to Judaism, gave it up, and he gave up his service to himself as well. You know, he began, you know, when he was young, when he had that experience, he began instead to serve Jesus and he knew what that meant. Okay? He gave up his privileged life as a Pharisee, one of comfort and honour, and he exchanged it for a life of beatings, false accusations, imprisonment, dangerous journeys, and just pure dishonour. I mean, back then, dishonour is a big thing. You don't like you know, having your name slated or anything. And uh, you know, he disregarded himself in pretty much every way and gave himself completely to the will of his master and saviour, Jesus, the Messiah, and whom Paul was a loving slave of. He loved his master. He loved his master. And so I want to get to the moral of the story, as it were. Okay. Here's a verse from Romans, another letter he wrote. It says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You were slaves to sin, you are now slaves to righteousness. Church, you used to serve yourselves. That's just how it was. That's always, it's, it's how everyone has ever been. Okay, you used to serve yourselves, you used to serve your sin, and for some, you may have even served another religion. But here's the thing. If, if, if you have accepted Jesus, you are no longer slaves to those things. But you're instead, you are honourable slaves and servants of Jesus, our God. Okay? And this is what slaveship involves when we look back over the story. Okay? It, involves, it involves listening to Jesus, like Paul did when deciding where to preach. Sometimes we think we know where is best, but we don't know. No one knows. Only God knows stuff. Okay? we don't know what what is best to do, what is best to say, what is best for this. We consult him okay so slaveship involves listening you know um it involves making right choices that they may not be very popular we, we, we are slaves of righteousness that is how we walk we don't we don't succumb to to sin or or just to hush, hush, just to save our skin. okay. Involves making right choices that may be unpopular and might have negative consequences, like with Paul and the possessed girl. Involves being the way God is towards others, like when Paul forgave the jailer and the leaders of Philippi. I've been forgiven by Jesus. Why should I hold anything against anyone else? They're sinning more against God than they are against me. It means trusting God, as Paul did. You know, Still giving praise to God when he was in pain and locked in a cold cell. You know, knowing that it, it, it's, it can't be all it appears to be. There's some greater reason and purpose for me being here. And there was, a jailer. You know? It involves trusting him, even though things are difficult at the time. You know? Because there's more that meets the eye. More than anything, it involves just serving your master Jesus above yourself. As Paul did. He forsook everything he had, and he served Jesus with every ounce of his life. You know? <coughs> So I want to say this to you guys. If if you're already a self-professed Christian today, I want to encourage you guys: give up your life to yourself as much as you can. You know, two Corinthians says, um, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised. I mean, the Bible also says, you know, you, 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 know, you, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You, are, you don't belong to yourselves. You never belonged to yourselves, believe it or not. You're always slaves to sin or slaves to God. God has saved you from that, you know. And so the thing is, we should stop focusing on the things. Now, this is important. Take note of this, because I'm not saying no one's allowed any fun and no one's allowed to do this and no one's allowed to do that. No, listen closely to the way I'm saying this. Stop focusing things that water down your relationship and progress in Jesus and faith. Because those things exist, and if they are there, we should expel them, okay? Stop serving sin or doubt or apathy and find ways to work for him in your job, in your school, in, in your family, where, wherever God has created you. know. Just just wherever you can. God has created you for good works, the Bible says. It means he's created you for a purpose, something to do. Like I said, the four, the four pillars at the start, we need to do stuff. It's important. It's important for our own well-being, you know? And and, and, and here's the thing. He doesn't just say do works and that's it. He's got a reward. You know, heaven's a kind of a reward in a sense. You know, you've got, you know, you've got an exciting, everlasting life beyond this world. We don't need to be concerned with the comforts this world has to offer because we have something better. You know. Anyway, these, these works are, are just as important. Like I said, as reading the Bible, prayer, meeting with other believers. Without them, you will grow bored and you will grow cold in your faith. That's just the way it works. Which is why I'm talking. Why are you from finding out what can we do? What can we do? You know. If you're suffering, it's important. If you're suffering, know that God can use that to advance His kingdom. Okay. And it may just be. It may just be that He's allowed this so you can meet someone you might not have done otherwise. I remember my wife was in. Uh, had a problem um, a couple of years ago. And, 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 she was in, and she was in hospital for a night or two. And uh, I was really worried. I was like, God, what's going on? Why, why should my wife get ill? We're Christians. You know? and, 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 and the thing is, when she was there, she got to pray with four women on her ward. One who died soon after. You know, She wouldn't have done that otherwise if she hadn't been in, in, in pain for a couple of days not saying God likes pain, but he's got ways of doing things and ways of meeting people. You know? So if you're suffering, know that God might just have something better in that. Okay? God can save people through that. Okay? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and here's the thing. If, if, if you don't know Jesus today, if you're in this state, and, and, and you would like to, to be a slave of Jesus rather than whatever you're currently serving, you know, the life I've probably... Talked about Paul. It might sound hard. It might sound scary. But Paul was happy. You know, he's happy, and, and he got to see some incredible things that God did. You know, it wasn't all bad, and he made some of the best friends of his life. You know, maybe you feel maybe maybe you're in that state. You don't know Jesus, and you feel like you can't be reached, or, or, or even like you don't deserve saving. Um, but Paul's life and journey shows that God can save anyone. You know, we saved a young man, Timothy, an educated doctor, Luke, a rich widow, Lydia, a poor girl from another religion, a Roman police figure, the jailer, um, possibly some criminals in jail. And of course, Paul himself, who hated Jesus. He hated him at one point. She just changed him. And you can be changed too. And here's the thing. And your experience doesn't have to be like, pause, you don't have to have some incredible spectacle happen where you show up in the room and you're like, whoa! You know, a lot of it, a lot of us, it happens in our hearts. You just feel it. We know it. It's like we know it. And, 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 and that's just as real. That's just as real. And I just want to say, if any of you do feel that way, and I urge you at the, during communion, please, please tell one of us. Come to the front and tell one of us, and we'll pray with you because it's, it's really important. Uh, it's best choice ever. And, um, but whoever you are this morning, I just want to encourage you guys, listen to God. You know, if, if, you haven't, if you haven't done so already, dedicate your life to advancing his cause, even if it means the disregard of your own interests. Because okay? everything this world has to offer is, is just temporary and limiting. It is limiting. You know? And it takes our focus off what is actually real and genuine and everlasting. It doesn't end what we have. And so guys, this week, this is what we're going to charge you with this is your homework, right? Know and learn what it is to be a slave of Jesus, just as Paul did. Imitate him. Let us pray. Let us pray. Amen. Dear Jesus, I just wanna I just wanna thank you. I thank you for that, that you use people. I thank you that you, you choose people that, that, that seem unreachable to reach the, the, the unreachable, as it were. You know, you are such an amazing God. You, you are, you know, so often we get, we get caught up in this world, Lord Jesus, and we just kind of, this world kind of like preaches to us half-heartedness and, and, and apathy, and it kind of tells us, don't take things seriously. But it, it, we can't do anything but that. You know, you've know, you done such a great thing for us. You have saved us from death, everlasting death. You have given us everlasting life. And we don't just have to wait and survive on the earth. But we get to have it now and have it to the full. We get to serve you and get to, have, you know, we get to see amazing things done. And that's what I pray. I know, Jesus, I know, Holy Spirit, you are moving in our church more and more lately. And that is what I pray, that more and more we will stop sowing to the deeds of the flesh. We will stop sowing to the flesh and we will sow more to your spirit. And then we will see the results of that, because the results of our everlasting life, you know. That's what I pray, Lord Jesus, that you, that you change us, that you, re- you make us realize what slaveship is, you know. And it doesn't diminish us, because you sing over us, you love us, you consider us, you know. We don't have any worth in and of ourselves, but Jesus, you have done so much for us. You have given us righteousness, you have given us worth, you have given us everything to live for, Jesus you know, and I thank you, you rejoice over us and that you love us greatly. We are not diminished. And, and, and even if we were, I, I would rather be diminished and see you glorified and exalted than anything else. So please be that. Let us be lower in our views of ourselves and let us see you as glorious. Because when we see you, we are changed. When we see Jesus, when Jesus is in our hearts, we are changed. We can't help but be changed. So we pray for more of your spirit, Jesus, to continue to change our lives more in the way that Paul did. Even he was still learning. Let us continue to learn. Let us continue to press on. Let us continue to see change, not just in our church, but in our workplaces and our schools. Let us us bring the light out of here to there and see you at work in your power, in your glory amongst our daily lives. Bless you, Lord Jesus. We are slaves of you. You are your slaves. And we love that. It's an honourable position. Thank you so much. All glory to you. Amen. Amen.